This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Wednesday afternoon. You made it the last day of January, January 31st. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. 38 degrees right now in Chicago. Rather breezy this afternoon. Southwest wind, 13 miles an hour, gusting to 23. A mild afternoon for you as well. Highs between 43 and 47 degrees. The complete forecast from AccuWeather coming up in just a couple of minutes. Markets are mixed. Let's get the latest now on trading from Bloomberg and Ann Cates. Rob, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 42 points. The Nasdaq down 193. The S&P 500 down 36. Wall Street is awaiting the Federal Reserve's decision on interest rates when policy makers wrap up their first meeting of the year this afternoon. Rates are expected to stay where they are as inflation continues to ease. Plus, big tech is in the spotlight with Microsoft and Alphabet disappointing investors hoping for a huge AI bonanza. Strategists at Goldman Sachs say the companies posted good numbers with strong revenue growth, but expectations were huge. Back to you, Rob. Thanks, Ann. We'll check in with you at 1223. The world's largest cruise ship is on its maiden voyage. We'll discuss its impact on the travel industry in our next segment. But right now, a report on jobs in the private sector is out, while affordability remains a major issue for prospective home buyers. We're joined by Bob Bruska, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics in New York. Bob, thank you for joining us today. The ADP report, the private payroll report for the month of January is out. It found that companies added 107,000 jobs in uh, January. It revised down uh, the number of new jobs in the month of December. But, uh, Bob, a lot of analysts have come around to the uh, opinion that uh, the ADP report and the government report that comes out on Friday morning uh, disagree to such a degree that uh, it's, it's not really worth uh, uh, fretting about at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at these reports over a long period, they tend to track one another. The ADP has basically, I saw a presentation by their uh, chief economist, and they've basically given up trying to have a report that is going to tell you what the uh, BLS report is going to do. The BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics, the government report for Friday. Um, but the ADP has a report that's uh, about the job market, and then it's a separate sort of a report. And it is only for private sector jobs, so it's not the headline number for the uh, the BLS report. It's the headline minus the government part. So it, it is a little bit different. Um, but it is showing you a slowdown, and I think that signal still has some validity. And the question is whether we're going to see that kind of a signal uh, on Friday. We, you know, economists kind are uh, looking for a somewhat weaker number uh, for Friday, but generally people are looking for a number in the – 150 to 200,000 habitat, which would be uh, stronger than this ADP report. And that does seem to, uh, to, 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 to 
go on your point, uh, that does seem to uh, jibe with the conventional wisdom that the uh, job market is certainly slowing down. It's not reversing. We're not seeing mass layoffs yet, and that's not showing up in any of the numbers. But uh, even though there's a lot of openings, there may be some hesitation to fill them. Yeah, you know, it's very complicated. There have been uh, there have been layoffs. There have also been some huge collective bargaining agreements a couple of months ago from the Teamsters and uh, and uh, the UPS settlement. On the other hand, uh, you know, UPS now is laying some people off. And the jobless claims numbers, on the other hand, remain very, very low. They just dipped below 200,000 and then popped back up above it last week. And uh, the unemployment rate remains, you know, just a stone's throw from a 50-year low. So... You know, there are a lot of cross currents here. Huh? There's evidence of some weakening. There's evidence of uh, sustaining strength. The Federal Reserve is thinking that interest rates might be too high. We're going to hear from them today, and maybe they're going to talk about <clears throat> getting ready to cut rates. Um, so uh, if the job market's weakening, uh, they ought to be cutting rates. But if inflation is staying too high, they shouldn't. But the inflation rate's going down. Is it going to go down far enough? So we're, we're in, in those cross currents in the middle of this turbulence and trying to figure out where these trends are going to go. So it's a complicated time. We do have the Fed policy meeting going on uh, yesterday and today. Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell will hold his news conference later on. And I'm guessing uh, you, Bob, and all the other analysts are uh, sharpening your fine-tooth combs, uh, trying to get to any indication from, uh, from Mr. Powell about uh, when that interest rate cut might come. Yeah, well, people are looking for it to occur, some of them as early as March. Uh, some people think it would be May. Uh, it's going to depend a little bit on the economic data. Recent economic data have been on the strong side. You know, that fourth quarter GDP report at 3.3% was pretty firm. So that would seem to tell the Fed that there's no rush in terms of cutting rates. But given that inflation has fallen so much, the Fed's concerned about the level of the, the nominal, the federal funds rate that you look at compared to inflation, and that that might be making things too tight. But in the meantime, the economy is still pretty strong. So everything that you say is, well, there's yes, but, yes, but. So uh, we're dealing in this hedged environment, and it's likely that the Fed is, uh, in some sense, planning to give us some rate cuts, but we're still trying to pin down when that will happen and then how far they will go. Bob Bruska, Chief Economist, Facted Opinion Economics in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, is there such a thing as too big when it comes to cruise ships? It's 60 minutes of financial planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Royal Caribbean Cruise Line's Icon of the Seas is now sailing, featuring 20 decks and a passenger capacity of 7,600. Let's talk about what it signals for the future of the cruise industry with Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors, based in Scottsdale, Arizona, the website travelbta.com. Angie, thank you for joining us today. And uh, there doesn't seem to be a shortage of opinions about the icon of the seas uh, currently uh, undergoing its maiden voyage right now and uh, at a different time and place. Uh, this could either be a setup for an episode of The Love Boat or an Irwin, Astor, Irwin Allen disaster movie, uh, but it's, it's, it's fully loaded. It's got 7,000 people and you have people who would say, I'm not going on a ship with 7,000 people and other people will say, no, it'd be fun to explore all the various uh, nooks and crannies. Uh, what are you hearing in the travel industry about this uh, behemoth on the water? Right. And it's no secret that I lean towards more sustainable travel. But at the same time, people vacation for different purposes and sometimes even 
that sustainable traveler is going to take their family on a cruise. But there's options to consider. And we also have to evaluate is too big, too big. (laughs) And um, I think that there's a real concern. Now, this also is a a reflection on the uh, health of the cruise industry, which uh, three or four years ago uh, was in doubt uh, just because of not only the COVID-19 pandemic, but uh, some of the uh, restrictions on getting people uh, back into a very confined uh, confined, uh, congregate environment like a cruise ship. But uh, this does seem to be a vote of confidence that if you build a ship for 7,000 people, they'll show up. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, the analyses that goes into building these ships and the revenue necessary in order to get the return on investment, people will arrive and thousands of people. And really the concern that I have, and as a supporter of the travel industry, you know, I wanted to see the cruise industry come back. But the concern that I have is how does this affect the ports, the destinations and the third world countries that really uh, need the tourism in order to thrive. These ships are now being designed where people don't want to leave the ship. And different cruise lines really have to evaluate is, you know, how do we create a cruise line that really offers, you know, the opportunity for people to want to cruise with us, but at the same time be conscientious of supporting the destinations. Because in my opinion, travel really needs to be focused on the destination. We're talking to Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors in Scottsdale, Arizona, about the uh, icon of the seas cruise ship, uh, which is uh, sailing right now. And what's interesting to note is like is looking uh, throughout the history of the 21st century, how there really has been kind of an, uh, an arms race, if you will, as far as cruise ship tonnage is concerned. Uh, there have been almost a dozen record breakers entering into service since the year 2002. So the cruise Cruise lines keep building them bigger and bigger, so they must believe that the market exists because at one point, uh, someone's going to develop a white elephant. Yeah, and not all cruise lines are following that philosophy. In fact, I was talking to our business development manager at Norwegian just yesterday, and she really emphasized their goal is not to build bigger ships, but perhaps smaller ships. There is a market for people who want to cruise and they want more of a specialty resort style of travel while on board a ship. So you have the luxury cruise lines like Regent and, you know, mentioning going back to Norwegian, they have a a concept that's called the Haven and they really try to market it as a resort within the cruise ship. And their focus is to really evaluate the, the the size of the ship, the number of people. And, you know, there's a lot of cruise lines that are focused on these itineraries to say, we want people off the ship. So if people are spending less time on the ship, it becomes less about the entertainment, like how big are the pools and the goat cart racing that's on board and the level of entertainment. There's cruise ships. You know, I was just on a Regent cruise and the ship was very relaxing because it was less emphasis on the entertainment. It was more about my R&R, getting more sleep. So the accommodations and enjoying the food on board so that my real time was spent entertaining on at the destination at the port. And so there are different philosophies out there. So be mindful of that when you plan your next trip and, and if it happens to 
lean towards sailing or cruising. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if I want uh, my, my at-sea roller coaster, I guess there's a ship for you. And if you don't want the roller coaster, there's a ship for you. Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors, based in Scottsdale, Arizona. Find her online, travelbta.com. Coming up next, the push and pull of streaming versus theaters for movie producers. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Hollywood studios are finding themselves in the position of theater versus streaming for the release of new movies. Welcome in Paul DeGarabedian, senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore based in Los Angeles. Paul, thank you for joining us today. And the reason why studios are pushing movies back to the theater as opposed to their owned streaming service is simply a matter of economics. It really is, Rob, and it's it's very interesting because there was a real push towards going straight to streaming in the immediate wake of the pandemic, and that's understandable when theaters were closed. Now theaters are clearly open and have been for two and a half years now, really, in a big way. And But right now, there's a lot of talk that this year could be down in terms of box office. So movie theaters need movies, right? And movies that play in theaters have more prestige, more uh, desirability by the you know consumer or moviegoer or streamer. And so once they hit streaming after being in the theater, they actually do better. And we've seen that time and again. And Universal has really been at the forefront of taking movies that you could think, well, those could go to streaming, putting them in theaters and making tons of profits out of them. The uh, last uh, year before the pandemic, 2019, there were 112 wide releases as defined as a film that debuted in more than 2,000 theaters. Uh, 2023, you're getting close. You're not there yet. Uh, 95 wide releases. What's 2024? How is that tracking and how did the strikes uh, impact the lineup for this year? Yeah, definitely. That That is the key uh, metric here is the number of films that are released. So, it, for instance, like you pointed out very astutely, the number of wide releases in 23, there were 95 of them. In 2022, there were 71. Contrast that with 112 in 2019. I mean, when you're talking 20, 30, or 40 fewer movies, if each of those movies only made $10 million, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. So this year, 2024, there actually is a pretty solid lineup of films I don't think we're, you know, we're not going to be back to that 112 level pre-pandemic level. And certainly the strikes had an impact. For example, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 2. I don't know if they're going to put the Part 2 on that anymore. But that's going uh, to be released next year, not this year. So when movies move off the calendar, it definitely impacts the box office. But I think there's a lot of great movies on the horizon this year, but more movies going to theatrical and then to streaming rather than simultaneously or first on streaming, that's going to be a better business model for the industry moving forward. I also noticed that uh, Disney is taking uh, some movies that were probably slated to open in the theater in 2020, but then got uh, shunted over to Disney+. Plus. They're finally getting their uh, theatrical release this year, two years after the fact. Yeah, and that's pretty amazing to see films like that be pushed that many years on. But you know what? I'm sure for the filmmakers, they're thrilled to have their every filmmaker wants their movies on the big screen. And I think to the to the audience, I don't necessarily care when they produce the movie 
But as long as I, it's a great movie and I can see it on the big screen, I think that's really key. But again, streaming has you know a, a huge amount of value, but there's just something about that that traditional pre-pandemic model of going theatrical first, having a window, then winding up on streaming gives those movies a lot more gravitas, a lot more interest generated by those because they did play in a movie theater. Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore in Los Angeles. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead on Personal Finance Wednesday, what you can do with leftover money from a college savings plan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A crash and shooting in south suburban Dalton leaves a number of people injured. We'll get a live report from the scene. Lawmakers in Washington put social media CEOs in the hot seat. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, exploring a new option for leftover money from a 529 college savings plan. Also on the finance front, why using a credit card to pay the rent may not be a smart option. Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down five points. NASDAQ down 193. The S&P 500 is down 38. AccuWeather says for the rest of today, cloudy much of the time, a bit milder than recent days. Highs between 43 and 47. Right now in Chicago, we have 38 degrees under cloudy skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, we're learning more about a crash and shooting in south suburban Dalton that left a number of people injured. Let's go live to the scene and get the latest from WBBM's Mike Krauser. Rob, from what we've been able to put together so far, there was a traffic incident at about 10.15 that ended with a crash that left debris on Sibley Boulevard. The two damaged cars pulled into the parking lot of an auto zone at 1110 West Sibley and they started shooting. We counted about two dozen evidence markers in the parking lot. Both cars were shot up. We talked to a man named Calvin Preston across the street. Now they just said somebody come off the expressway, they was chasing each other. They were chasing each other? Yes. And, um, so it looks like there was a crash with those Yeah, they crashed, yep. Yeah. Yeah. see up here there's debris in the road? So, so I guess they got into it on the expressway and they, they chased each other and they went up in there and shot. He said six people got shot. 
Oh, we don't know that that is accurate right now. When we asked a police officer if it was six people, he said, where did you get that number and walked away? At one point, an ATF agent was seen bagging a long gun outside the auto zone. Someone said they heard an officer say they were shooting AR-15s, that too unconfirmed. Illinois State Police Crime Scene Investigation Units arrived here a short time ago. Police have had no comment so far. Live in Dalton, Mike Krauser, News Radio 105.9 WBBI. The CEOs of Meta, Snap, Discord, X, and TikTok have testified at a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on the online exploitation of children. Republican Josh Hawley of Missouri put Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg in the line of fire. Have you apologized to the victims? I, Would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? Zuckerberg then turned around and told the families in attendance he was sorry for the things they've suffered through, adding the company has invested a great deal of money to prevent them in the future. It's 12.33 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed right now. The uh, Dow is uh, wavering around the flat line. We welcome in Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer, Hugh Johnson Economics in Albany. Hugh, thank you for joining us today. A busy weekend, especially a busy afternoon. you got two uh, big market movers, one uh, going on all week long, which is uh, big tech stepping up to the plate uh, to report their fourth quarter earnings and their uh, guidance for 2024. And we have this uh, Fed policy meeting that's going to culminate in a uh, news conference from Fed Chair Jay Powell uh, about a half hour from now. The statement first, then the news conference. And uh, we're, the Wall Street's going to go on a wild ride after uh, one o'clock central time. A lot going on, and you're absolutely right. The earnings side of the equation is going on, and uh, we've got some, I think, very uncomfortably uh, marginal news out of Alphabet and Microsoft on their earnings, and I think that's led to a decline in what we've now come to call the magnificent seven. Of those seven stocks which have been uh, involved or very heavily involved in artificial intelligence and have performed so well, over the course of 2023. Right now, we're starting to see the Magnificent Seven perform a little bit less well and what we're seeing perform uh, better, which is a kind of well, welcome relief, is that the broader market is performing better or is catching up. So technology is a little bit under the, uh, under the weather and the broader market is doing a little bit better. And you're right, uh, the meeting of the Federal Reserve, their decision and what they say, what Chairman Paul says, at his press conference is going to be watched very carefully for an idea as to what the Federal Reserve was going to do next. We know they're going to put policy on hold. They're not going to raise interest rates. The question now in front of the markets is how many times will they reduce interest rates in 2024 and when will they start? And, and there's going to be a lot of uh, parsing statements today. As I said uh, earlier in the hour, the uh, fine-tooth comb is uh, being sharpened for uh, next hour to really uh, get some evidence of, are they going to cut in March? That seems unlikely. Will they cut uh, over the summer? Are the three interest rate cuts still on the menu? And it seems like uh, the, 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 the Fed governors have a lot of data points to weigh in what they've called a data-dependent process. Yes, they do. And today we've got some numbers, for example, the employment cost index of some very specific numbers on wages and salaries. And we saw those numbers actually improve. In other words, wages and salaries increased, but they didn't increase as much as had been generally expected. The second thing is we got a report on employment from ADP. It's watched somewhat closely. 
And that was a soft report indicating that the economy remains a little bit on the soft side and there's still downward pressure on uh, inflation generally, but much, much more importantly in this report, wages and salaries. And so uh, we've got some, I think, broad news. And I think the broad news today, inflation remains a, a good news on inflation. The economy is slowing. And that, of course, opens the door for the Federal Reserve to consider reducing interest rates and really raises that question, Rob, which is the exact question. When will they start to uh, lower interest rates and how many times will they lower interest rates? I think six cuts in interest rates in 2024 is a bit much. But you're right. The federal funds rate futures are telling us that there's six cuts in the coming uh, between now and uh, year end in 2024. That seems to me to be a lot. Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer, Hugh Johnson Economics in Albany, New York. Thank you for joining us today. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Rent is typically one of the biggest expenses in a budget, and sometimes it's possible to pay your rent with a credit card. Let's discuss the wisdom of that with Matt Schultz, Chief Credit Analyst with LendingTree in Austin, Texas. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Now, on the one hand, some people may want to pay their rent with a credit card because they do pay off their bills every month and uh, they want to get the rewards for it. But uh, what are some of the drawbacks of paying your rent with a credit card? One of the biggest drawbacks is that you could end up paying interest on top of it if you can't pay it off at the end of the month. And with credit card interest rates as high as they are, around 25% for a lot of folks or even higher, um, having that much interest on a rent payment is just going to make your situation even tougher. Right. It's basically, I mean, if if you don't pay off your credit card bill every month and you're carrying a balance, uh, you're going from paying rent to essentially uh, paying a mortgage with a 25% interest rate where you get no equity. Yeah, it's it's certainly not a great idea, and, but, it's, but it's not the only reason why you shouldn't do it. Really, one of the other reasons is that a lot of times, with a few exceptions, but a lot of times you'll end up paying a 2 or 3% fee on top of that rent payment in order to use your credit card to pay rent, and that would essentially outweigh any rewards that you could potentially get. So in most cases, it's just not a good idea. And on, how, across the country, I mean, how many uh, apartment buildings, uh, how many property management companies actually allow you uh, to to pay your rent with a credit card? Because uh, you're right, that does involve uh, processing fees, and it's a pretty complicated situation. So how realistic of this how, how, as an option to you? It's, it's becoming more realistic. It's certainly more common than it was a while back. I don't have hard numbers on it, but it's certainly um, there's certainly more opportunity now. And there's also services out there that facilitate that sort of thing. But again, it's, there's typically a fee involved. Um, again, a few exceptions like the built uh, rewards credit cards handle stuff without fees. But for the most part, it's you're going to end up paying extra a lot of times to pay rent with that credit card. And even if uh, you do uh, pay your bills off every month, uh, it could still ding your credit score because uh, that could impact your credit utilization rate, that rent payment. 
Yeah, and that's that's a significant thing, especially when you're talking about what is likely the biggest bill that you're going to pay in the month. So, um, so yeah, in utilization is an important thing, and it's not anything to, to play around with. And then is this happening more often just simply uh, due to the fact that uh, the median apartment rent nationwide is $1,964 a month? And so uh, we talk about inflation and some people are having a hard time making ends meet, uh, that they will carry that balance simply because they have nowhere else to go. Yeah, a lot of people use credit cards as kind of a de facto emergency fund and paying rent with it is kind of the ultimate case of that and completely understandable that people lean on that sort of thing when times get tough but it's certainly not something you want to make a habit of and then lastly uh yeah this that you know maybe you're just backed into a corner but are there some other ways that you can approach this problem uh, without putting your your rent payment on your credit card? Are there debit card options? Are there uh, low interest or no interest credit card options? You know, what, what can you do if you're in this situation you want to get out? Well, the, the first thing you should probably do is talk to your landlord and see if there would be anything that you could do where you delay payment a couple of days or something like that especially if it's just an occasional thing or a one-off medical issue or job loss or something, they may be willing to work with you. So that's probably the first step you should take. Matt Schultz, Chief Credit Analyst with Lending Tree in Austin, Texas. Thank you for joining us today. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Personal Finance Wednesday continues. If you end up with extra money from a 529 college savings account, you may be wondering what you can or should do with it. Let's get some direction from Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions in Forest Park. Chris, thank you for joining us today. And I like this segment because it's a change of pace. I mean, for so often uh, during Personal Finance Wednesday segments and other segments on the show, we talk about what to do when things go wrong. And this segment is basically what to do when things go right. Uh, you, you, you save plenty for college. You have uh, some money left over. Uh, your son or daughter uh, has graduated. They have a good job coming out of school. They can take care of themselves right off the bat. What do you do with that extra money? So it depends. Do you really like those kids? <laughs> you know what? They have their moments. Let's let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. You know, sometimes you find you end up liking grandbabies more. So it depends. You know, the the rules have really expanded. So if you have children and there's leftover money and you really identify that as theirs, then if there has been a Roth IRA opened in their names and it's at least 15 years old, do you know that you can take those excess 529 investments and fund their retirement plan? Now, you have to follow the limit. You can't move more than $7,000 a year out of that 529 into their Roth. So that's if you want to favor your children. If you prefer to favor your grandchildren, well, you can simply just let that money grow. And then when it's time to turn it on for who's ever ready, then you can name them as the beneficiary. Now, Chris, let's say we really like our hypothetical children here in this scenario. Uh, and, and, and you want to give them a little extra help as they go out into the world. Maybe they don't have a great paying job. They have a decent paying job. And they may have a hard time just making uh, ends meet here and there every now and then. Um, what kind of tax hit do you take 
if you remove money from a 529 account and then just put it into income? Well, and that's, I wouldn't do that. I would roll it into the Roth first if you have that as an option. Because, you know, if you're not going to end up using it for that, you are going to get taxed with whatever rate you're in. And then lastly, uh, I mean, are, are there other options outside of uh, putting it into a Roth IRA or keeping it in a college fund for a grandchild to use? Uh, are there some other areas in which it can, it can grow and, and benefit either uh, the child or their grandchildren? Without question. You know, you can even use those funds now for lower education. So if your kids are going to high school, why not use it there? And then lastly, I mean, in your experience, how often does this happen? Because we have lots of stories about people who are uh, tend to be you know, have a are having a hard time rubbing two pennies together once uh, one, once college and, and post secondary education are over. Uh, how often do you run into people where they actually have money left over? They did a great job of hustling scholarships or 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 just getting that good gig, and they and they they oversave for college. Sure, typically not often on my watch because we do a lot of planning and updating on a regular basis so we can see if we're over or under funding. And we don't really want to run into that situation where we have leftover funds there. So it's usually very few, at least in my experience. Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions in Forest Park. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.